back to another edition of the Alonzo Bet. Tonight is the most important Alonzo Bet of the year, arguably. It is opening night, opening day preview on the Alonzo Bet. And Sam, I have not been this excited since last year's opening day. Yeah, it's although that was uh, notably not a year ago. That's true. It notably was less than a year ago, but we notably got less than our fill of baseball last season. So, Sam, why don't you run our listeners through the special uh, segments that we have planned for today? We will be rounding out our projections, I hear, but it's not just that. Yeah, so I mean, tomorrow's opening day, so we got to take you guys just through the slate of games tomorrow. tomorrow. So we're going to just tell you what all the matchups are, some really exciting uh, pitching matchups, as there always are on opening day, because we got aces going for all 30 teams. Uh, Aaron promised you guys he was going to play some DFS this year. I said I might dabble. I, I haven't prepared my dabbling yet, but Aaron has. So he's going to tell you some of his favorite picks for DFS. Well, we're going to talk about it, Sam. This is a primer. I know you want to get into it. I've done a little work. We're going to talk about it for, for your sake, for my sake, and for our listeners' sake. Sounds great. And then, as Aaron just said, we're going to finish our season preview. And we've done all the division previews, given you tons of detail on every team in the league. So if you haven't caught those, go back and listen to them. Uh, we, we, we've got a ton, tons of information about every team. If you want to sort of see the landscape of the league going into opening day, but what we've got for you today is we are going to give our playoff predictions and we're also going to give our award predictions. So that's with, right. With that, do you want to jump into the opening day slate there? Yeah. Why don't we do it? Because just like every opening day, Sam, just like you said, we have a number of amazing pitching matchups. And I want to start with the ones that I like the most right at the top, very first game of the day with a 105 Eastern start local to us, Sam, Hugin Ryu versus Garrett Cole. Hugin, not his best season last season, but he has been extremely effective over the last number of years. He's been a real ace in the league. And Garrett Cole, pair him with just about anybody on the slate. Uh, and I love to see it. The other one that I really love is one that I know you also love, and that's later in the evening, 7.09, also local to uh, us here on the East Coast, and that's Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer. I know that's the game you had circled, Sam. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I will 100% be watching every single pitch of that game. I mean, honestly, it's hard to miss a pitch of, of DeGoat because that guy, he's the best pitcher in the league. Let's stop the debates. And it's just a treat to, to get to watch him. And I'm, I'm going to take in that treat as long as I can. And you know what, Sam? The guy on the other side of the rubber from him tomorrow really isn't much of a slouch himself. No, Max Scherzer has been known to be pretty good at pitching baseballs. That's right. Now, now there's been a lot of talk about a Scherzer decline which I think is somewhat fair. He's not quite the guy he maybe was three years ago, but I still think there's little doubt that he's one of the 10 to 15 best pitchers in baseball, if not still one of the top three. Absolutely. There is just, it would not surprise anybody if he came out and was a top three pitcher in baseball this season. A couple other matchups that I really like also just kind of running us around the league right here. 
Um, I'm very interested in something like Flaherty Castillo, you know, Cardinals, Reds, uh, two of the three best teams in the central and definitely the two most exciting. So two teams that I'm looking forward to seeing Nolan Arenado in red for the first time is going to be an interesting, uh, an interesting phenomena, but Luis Castillo, just really, really great stuff. Could be in for a big year. Jack Flaherty also could be in for a big year. Of course, you know, I'm going to be watching my snakes uh, face off against you, Darvish, arguably the best pitcher in baseball last season. And it'll be exciting to watch you in a new uniform for the Sandy, for the revamp San Diego Padres, you know, maybe one of the most interesting teams in the league this year. It'll be really interesting to see how they get off with this new revamp rotation. Another game that I've got my eye on is uh, the Braves Phillies game, which Mm -hmm. is a matchup between Max Fried who's coming off of a tremendous 2020 season, although don't count on a repeat folks, uh, versus Aaron Nola, uh, the Phillies ace, who still feels like Aaron Nola might have another year. I don't know. What do you mean? Like, I feel like he had that one year where he was third in Cy Young voting 2018. And I feel like he's taken a step back the, the last couple of years. I mean, it's true that he hasn't been able to repeat that one excellent year, but Noah's been very good. You know, 2018, five and a half war, and yeah, he bucked 212 innings with like a nine and a half K rate, 237 ERA, but that's like a Cy Young level season. I know he didn't win it. The last two years, he's been three and a half, and he was two war last year. He's really good. Yeah, um, yeah that, that's fair. I'm certainly not knocking Aaron Nola. I'm just, I'm just making the point that if – it's interesting to see if he can return to that 2018 level of dominance, because that would be massive for the Phillies. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And honestly, the inner league, the inner league matchups that we have here are a little bit enticing as well, especially twins brewers. I like the Maeda Woodruff matchup right off the top. And these are two teams who definitely are not favorites to win their division right now. Twins, obviously a little bit closer than the Sox, especially with the injury to Eloy. We talked about that at length last week, Um, but two teams that definitely could be scrappy and could uh, end up surprising some people and making it into the playoffs, even though we didn't pick either of them. So I like that. And then we have the Florida series, the two worst fan bases in potentially all of sports, but two teams that I care enough to watch. I actually will watch a decent number of Marlins games this season, I think. Yeah, I'll watch uh, about 19 of them, which I think is the number of times they play the Mets. Yeah, but you don't you really <laughs> only watch the the Mets on a regular basis. Oh, um, yeah. White Sox White Sox Angels is is also a little interesting to me. I want to see what the Angels are going to come out and be. I want to see what Giolito is going to come out and be right off the top of the season. Um, so yeah, really sure. no shortage of two, of amazing matchups. Tomorrow. Two two things that I just want to point out that are really uh, shocking to see is that Chad cool is an opening day starter for the Pittsburgh pirates. That's tough. Yeah. And Kyle Gibson is an opening day starter for the Texas Rangers. You, you just don't love to see either of those things. No, you no, you definitely don't. Obviously there's some other pitchers on this slate that you don't love to have as your opening day starter, but they are, you know, serviceable major league pitchers who you, they maybe fit their, their uh, rebuild status, but Yeah, those two are especially brutal. So I do want to kind of take this now that we've looked at who plays tomorrow and talk about how we might apply it to a daily fantasy scenario. So first, what I want to do, because 
you know, I, it's different everywhere and it may not be clear. I do want to talk about scoring a little bit. So the end payout and all that, the way that daily fantasy works is that you have a number of different modes you can play. I'm going to talk about tournaments, which is the most common type from what I've seen so far. I'm not professing to you to be a daily fantasy expert. If I'm wrong, hit us up at the Alonzo bet on Twitter or the Alonzo bet at gmail.com. We'll rectify it. Cause I'm just telling you what I've learned from this point. So, um, tournaments, the most common type of play. And in these you have, you know, hundreds to tens of thousands of people who are entering the tournament and they pay out a certain percentage of the top in a tiered system. So for example, I'm looking right now at a 500,000 season opener. The entry is $15. The uh, number of possible entrants is 39,200, excuse me. Um, But the reason that you do something like this is because the winner could win five hundred thousand dollars. The person a hundred thousand to first, right? The total prize pool is five hundred thousand. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I was I was scrolled up there. To, but a hundred thousand dollars to first on a fifteen dollar entry. That's very good, especially because you have some control theoretically. Unlike okay. if you play fifteen dollars on, uh, you know, an extreme over under on a basketball game or something. So there is method to this madness, but you're not trying to finish first because you're never going to finish first. What you're trying to do is place in this particular tournament, the top 8,465 entries place. So basically you just have to be, you know, less than top 25% in this illustrative tournament to make $10. Will it happen every night? No. But does that seem like an achievable mark with some level of plan and uh, statistical backed up data? Perhaps. We'll see. We're doing an experiment this year. But in general, the strategy that is that is used by most people playing daily fantasy right now, and because I haven't done it in person yet, I'll tell you after tomorrow, I cannot tell you how much I believe in this strategy because certainly it comes from a sound point of view but I think it's being oversimplified by people who play DFS. Um, I don't think that there's a ton of innovation in the space. People all have come to believe the same thing. And I I think there could be room for improvement, but I'll tell you what everybody does. And that's something called stacks. So they take stacks of players who play on the same team, hit near each other in an order, and sometimes pitch for the team as well. And the reason they do this is because the outcomes of those players are correlated on a day-to-day basis. Obviously that's true. You know, if, uh, if the Red Sox score 10 runs in a game, it's likely that multiple of their players had multiple hits and that there were multiple home runs hit by multiple people in the lineup. Additionally, no matter how- It's also the linkage of RBIs and runs, right? That's correct. No matter how many uh, runs are scored in a game, if you take players that hit near each other, you are directly correlating your hits, runs, and RBIs, which is something that you would obviously like to do. So no question that there is a ton of value here. Um, And And, and to to be clear as to why that would be an effective strategy, it's that, as Aaron said, what you're trying to do is score really highly in this pool. So you might sacrifice like some average expected value to increase the variance of your entry because 
you want basically the high variance outcomes of your entry just to allow you to score really high in the pool. So, you know, not, not all points are created equal. You, you want to like, it's way better. The difference between scoring first and 11th is much different than much different than the difference between scoring a thousand and first and a thousand and eleven. Correct. Another way that I, you, I, I kind of have been thinking about it and I think makes sense is trying to pick a lineup of the best players you can, because uh, I didn't even talk about picking players, but the format is you have $50,000 to spend and each player has a salary attached to them. Pitchers are generally more expensive than hitters, um, but they range on tomorrow's slate from $10,400 for you, Darvish, uh, for a pitcher to $5,200 for Chad Cool, And in general, it ends up going as low as $2,000 uh, to take someone like Chris Herman, uh, catcher, backup catcher for Boston. So um, trying to pick a lineup that is just a bunch of players that will be the highest scoring group of players you could have picked in fantasy that day is basically like trying to pick first and second touchdown of like five games in the NFL, like the exact player who did it. It's just, it's just not going to happen. You know, it's a super long shot, but if you are consistently playing a strategy where you are connecting players on the same team and who hit close to each other, you just need the team you picked to be the highest scoring team in baseball that day. For example, there's other paths to victory, but that would be one of them. Now, the chances of that are a lot better than the chances of you picking every single player who's going to go off in a given day. So strategy is there. Where I say that maybe it's not all the way fleshed out is I went to go do some stacks today. You know, I thought, all right, something that I want to do um, is I want to take the best players I can still uh, while filling my roster out at the right price, Right. So I'm not trying to pay up too far for somebody or, and then go grab somebody who's not going to play. Um, and when you like try to fill your lineup out with some teams who maybe you would fade. So you look at the pitchers and you say, all right, well, the top of the list is you Darvish, Aaron Nola, Clayton Kershaw, Luis Castillo, Tyler Glass, now Jack Flaherty, Kenta Maeda, Brandon Woodruff, Kyle Hendricks. I don't want to play why, against. Why, why is DeGrom not in there? Uh, maybe you just can't even buy him because he's too dominant. Well, it might be that the night game is not part of it or something. Uh, yeah, sorry. These are only games till 410. I actually could probably find a tournament with him and tell you how much he costs. Um, but yeah, so all those guys are good. And you don't necessarily want to uh, fade any of those guys. But there are some guys at the bottom who you might want to fade as well, like Madison Bumgarner, Chad Cool, um, even a guy like Herman Marquez or Sandy Alcantara. So you pick against a pitcher, you pick against uh, a lineup if you're picking a pitcher, but you really pick a guy for strikeouts for a pitcher. And then you consider things like temperature. Low temperatures are good for pitchers. High temperatures are good for hitters. You think about park factors. All that stuff plays into to trying to make these assumptions. But I don't want to go too deep into all that theory because I would simply be parroting you other things that I um, have heard in the last couple of weeks as I look at this. I, so what I want to do instead is I want to try to um, you know, explain to you where you might find some extra value on tomorrow's slate specifically. 
The first thing uh, is in pitcher. You can buy up if you love you Darvish and you just think he is your best bet for K's and innings tomorrow, which are the two biggest things you can get from the pitcher on DraftKings. And you want to get you like the snakes, even against a squad like the snakes, you can go ahead and buy down on a guy like John means who's at $6,000 with high strikeout potential against a Boston lineup who definitely K's. You know, Andrew Benintendi is basically replaced by Bobby Dahlbeck, and they K'd in the top 10 times in the MLB in 2019. So this team knows how to strike out. All, they have some contact hitters, but they know how to strike out. And I just don't think their offense is amazing. Like, yeah, they have some good players. Devers, Bogarts, J.D. Martinez are, are definitely good hitters. But it's not crazy to, to think John Means could pitch well. I also like Baltimore's lineup in this game. Because I hate Nathan Eovoldi on the bump for opening day. And I think that not a ton of people are going to be looking at Boston versus Baltimore and taking the Baltimore hitters. But the Baltimore hitters are actually not bad. You can put together a team that has Ryan Mountcastle, Trey Mancini, Austin Hayes, and their leadoff hitter, whose name is Cedric Mullins. That's four of the five players you can take. And then if you want to take John Means, you just did yourself a little fade the Red Sox on opening day. Is it a gamble? Yes. But is it kind of sound? I think it could be because the biggest worry is John Means. Where are they playing? Boston. Against a team that now is stronger from the left side of the plate than the right, arguably, in power-wise anyway. Um, You know that left side maybe not quite as inviting the pesky pole not too bad but what's the temperature tomorrow in boston it's going to be low given john b john means a chance to actually pitch a good game here um that's one option you know that's something you could do Ooh, actually tomorrow rain is on the forecast good thing i looked it up you don't want to play a game with rain in the forecast because a zero is something you can't come back from if you get a zero DraftKings says sorry buddy Oh, really? So if a game's rained out, you can't replace someone? Yep. If you get it, if if it's rain and your lineup is submitted, sorry, buddy. That is brutal. That is pretty brutal. But uh, I think that the that the thought process there stands. And I would urge you, if you are trying to play Daily Fantasy tomorrow or in future days, you know, follow this tactic. Say, what is the most probable, you know, team to go off tomorrow and who are the hitters that I can fit in the lineup that will correlate with one another. So you want them higher towards the top of the lineup, but then also think about who's everybody else taking and what if conventional wisdom is wrong? Your best friend here are the over-unders on runs um, and the over-unders on pitcher K's on your favorite betting website, because they've done the work for you. They have an idea of how many they're going to get. And so, you know, if you, or betting against one of those things, you should be aware of how much you're betting against it because you can get realistic, you know, ideas of what your odds are uh, to perform in a given day. So that's my little uh, intro to DFS. And I know that it's, it's a lot to take in. There's a lot of info here. Um, but as a starter strategy, that's what I'm trying out. Uh, and if it works, great. If it doesn't, we're going to have to get a little bit more advanced. But just as a starter strategy, I'm going out there and I'm saying, I like these guys. I'm going to take as many of them as I can, and I'm going to get the best players I can. So if I have to take a stack of four, 
four and one or five, three and one, five, three, two. I'll do something like that. I forgot how many players are on the roster. Um, but I need to get good players. And they do need to be related to one another in outcome somehow. So um, let's, let's just keep our eye on this. You know, I'll let you guys know how I'm doing and, and we'll see if it's worth taking my advice or not, but there's, there's some facts in there as well. Let's you talk know, if, a little bit. If you bit. do well, then it's, it's because of a new strategy. And if you're doing poorly, you're just wrong and bad. So exactly, exactly. Right. So you, we're going to take your, your strategies no matter what. I appreciate that. Um, let's talk about real baseball. Sounds let's good. talk a, li- a little bit about what we think would happen in the playoffs. We've gone through each division. We've said who we like, we said who we don't like. And now, I, I, before we go into who's going to play who and, and who's going to win the World Series, so on and so forth, um, let's exclude the D-backs. I feel like it's too obvious if we both have the D-backs winning the World Series. So I think to make this fun for us... I, I sort of I sort of assumed that in when I okay. made my list. I, I assumed right. that that would be what you thought. So do you want to start at home in the National League or do you want to head abroad to the American League? Let's do the National League. So what what I'm going to give is my one through five. So the three division winners and the two wild cards. Um, And then we can talk about the matchups and and what we think is going to happen. But my one through five is I think the Dodgers are going to win the West, have the best record in the NL. I think the Mets are going to win the East and have the second best record in the NL. I think the Cardinals are going to win the Central, but I actually think they're going to have the fifth best record in the NL. Okay. And, and then I think the Padres and the Braves get the two wild cards with the third and fourth best records, respectively. Okay. I think the Dodgers are going to have the best record. I think the Mets are going to be number two. Um, I think the Odds will be number three with a what? Yeah, I think the Braves will be four, and I think the Cardinals will be five. Is that what you had? Yeah. So basically, yeah. but then, but that to be clear though, the wild card game, the first game we're predicting is going to be between the Padres and the Braves. Right. The third yeah. and the fourth best record in yeah. the uh, the Cardinals. League. The Cardinals inexplicably skirted through to the NLDS unjustly. Yes. One might. Although say. in my projections, at least they don't last there long. Yeah, well, let's first talk about who we think wins the wild card game. Okay, uh, I've got the Padres prevailing here. I do as well. I think Hard to pick gonna, against. I them. think we're going to see you, Darvish, just pitch a gem and some heroics out of Fernando Tatis. The thing is, if it becomes like popular belief that the Padres are going to win, then I'm going to start to think the Braves are going to win, though. Interesting. So, so well, your, we'll, we'll your prediction strategy is to go anti-popular belief. No, no, but I, I will have to see how this Padre team plays, but I, the Padres in general are a franchise that loves to disappoint expectations. I see. Um, they could break that cycle, but I think the more expectations that are on them historically, the more I want to fade them. Okay. Um, so that, let's, that gets us to the, well, do we want to, let's get through to the World Series in the NL, and then we'll do the AL. Okay. So then that, that gives us, we both then have the same NLDS series. We have Dodgers, Pods, Mets cards. Dodgers, Pods, and Mets cards. I think we're both obviously taking the Mets over cards. It's no question. I agree. Uh, I'm, I'm getting a little spicy here. I'm taking the Padres over the Dodgers. 
I mean, you got to get spicy somewhere, but I this think, was not the place for me. I think, you know, the Padres, they're going to be rewarded for going all in off season. They've got the depth. They've got the insane top three in that starting rotation that I think, you know, it arguably can match up with that Dodgers top three as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm picking the Padres, you know, the Dodgers are a better team, but it's five games. Let's get spicy. Yeah, I, I definitely feel that. Um, I, I, I have the Dodgers over the Padres. This is another thing where maybe like I, you know, just have a curse on the Padres organization. I don't think they can beat the Dodgers. The Dodgers are their big brother. They're not that far up the road from them. They've always just stomped them. And I don't, I, I just don't think the Padres can go in and win a game five at Dodger stadium against some combination of uh, Clayton Kershaw, Walker Bueller, um, Trevor Bauer, you know, I just think it's tough, but I appreciate you going spicy. Um, I then have the Dodgers over the Mets and I'm sorry, Sam, but at the end of the day, uh, that's just a lineup. I really trust in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, I've of course going Mets over the Dodgers. Last time the Mets played the Dodgers in the playoffs, 2015, the Mets won in five games in the NLDS on the back of two heroic performances out of Jacob deGrom. One of the one of the, the best pitching performances of his career was actually game one of that series, seven scoreless, 13 strikeouts against that Dodgers lineup in 2015. And of course, he's 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 only gotten better. I, I can't wait to see that man in the playoffs again. He deserves to be there. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. And I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Dodgers kind of fall apart in the playoffs and the pods do beat them or the Mets do just absolutely take it convincingly. But... Like, until I see it, the Mets offense it just needs to show me a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, Lindor obviously helps, but it still all has to come together and, like, work as a unit, right? So, oh yeah, I, I still got to go with experience here. Fair enough. Before we continue, we forgot to do our traditional playoff disclaimer, which if you've listened to this podcast before, know that uh, yes. the playoffs are all random. Five games, seven games are meaningless within the larger sample of baseball games. That's not to say that the beggar team is not more likely to win, but it is to say that the worst team is going to win much more often than you might than you'd like than you than you'd like, and that you <laughs> might casually think compared to a sport like basketball or even football, which has one game series, right? Where a single game of football is probably more more uh, correlated with team skill than seven games of baseball i would agree with that 100 percent um, um so i have the dodgers in the world series you have the mets in the world series let's flip it over to the american league sounds good so you want to give your order for the american league and then i'll give mine yeah so my order is uh yankees white Sox, astros jays twins so I have the same five teams making the playoffs and the same division winners. I just have the order switched a little bit, but actually in such a way that it's not going to affect our division series. Method. Nice. Nice. So I've, I have the Yankees, then the Astros, then the white Sox, And then my wild card one is the twins. And my wild card two is the blue Jays. Ah, okay. Wow. So, so we were completely in sync on our, on our, the teams we had making the playoffs. 
yeah, that's that's unusual. Yeah. Um, does it speak to a growing divide in talent in the league? I don't know. It could I, just speak to some favorites this season. I do think it's certainly true in the NL that there are four teams that are clearly above the rest. And, you know, then there's the NL central, but the Cardinals, I do think are, are the favorites there. So right. I, I do think if, if you polled most baseball fans as to what they'd expect the five NL playoff teams to be, it's going to be those five teams among most. Yeah. Teams. I mean, our, our picks are pretty chalk, but it's hard not to be this year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's just what it looks like. So you're right. We got lucky that uh, we don't have any mismatch in the, in the series at all. I have the Jays winning the wild card. Sam, who do you got? I've got the twins and you know what? I, I just, I got to give the twins finally getting just a playoff win, not in a series, but in a game. You know, well, they've had a playoff win in a game, just not against the Yankees. I know that they've, the last two years, they haven't won a playoff game either. It's, it's oh, the last two years. Yeah. But they and haven't won also, a game against the Yankees in like eight years or something. Sure. I mean, they haven't won a game against the Yankees in well, like 20 years or something. Yeah. But, uh, no, but they, I think they haven't won a playoff game in some insane number of years. But then you're going to make them play the Yankees, Sam. That's just not nice of you to <laughs> that, do. That, that is true. And, uh, so, okay, so then then our, our, ALDS, <laughs> our ALDS matchups are then I have the Yankees versus the Twins. You have the Yankees versus the Blue Jays. Uh, I'm going to assume for you that we're both taking the Yankees in we are, matchups. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Yankees are really good. There's they are. no question about it. Um, White Sox, Astros, who do you got in that series? I have the Sox. Yeah, I actually I had the Astros with the better regular season record, but I'm taking the White Sox in this series. Mm-hmm. So we've both got the Yankees, White Sox, ALCS. Wow. So we had the same championship series. Yeah, we do. Both leagues. Uh, I've got the Yankees going to the World Series and we've got a Subway Series. And this is where I differed, Sam, because I last minute, said, you know what? I cannot chalk my way through a whole Yankees Dodgers world series. I convinced myself that there is a way for the Yankees to drop a series like this. Um, And let me tell you, it involves a lot of bullpen implosion and I'm taking the socks here. Let's go young team, a lot of energy headed by the greatest baseball mind of our generation, Tony La Russa, They'd be, they'd certainly be a fun team in the playoffs if they're all clicking. If that lineup gets hot in the playoffs, they oh yeah, kill people. And it's while he's probably out the whole season, maybe it's possible Eloy like comes back for an ALCS or something. Well, it's, no, Eloy could be back before the playoffs started. The question is, is he going to be usable and in midseason form by the playoffs? Yeah, fair enough. Tough to say. I'll tell you what I do like about that particular matchup, though, is I think the White Sox rotation is kind of a really nice way to attack the Yankees. What I mean by that is, obviously, at the top, you're not going to get mad about Giolito, right? Like, that's just a power pitcher. That's your ace going up against Garrett Cole, where, yeah, you might be at a bit of a disadvantage, but you don't feel like it's it's an automatic L. You feel like you have a real shot to take that ball game. 
But then on the back end, you're not going for these high upside, you know, crazy starters. You have two really reliable, crafty vets, one in particular who can keep the ball inside the ball yard. Huge for a game at Yankee Stadium in Dallas Keuchel. And then, of course, we know the bullpen's good. So um, I think they, you know, they could do this. It will require some innings from a mystery fourth or fifth starter. But I think to win the World Series, they pick somebody up at the deadline. Somebody's being useful um, they add a low low price, but uh, good enough piece to start in the playoffs. Here's an interesting dynamic that I just thought of. Will Larusa have any understanding of how you're supposed to use a bullpen in the playoffs in modern baseball? Unfortunately, I do not. No. Yeah, so that that could hurt them. Um, that definitely could hurt them. Tough for me to bet against a manager who you know I haven't seen do anything, but. Uh, drunk drive since 2011 yeah um so then let, let's get to the world series then i've got the yankees mets subway series we all know my pick it's the mets they're the best team in baseball they're gonna win world series it's the first year under steve cohen's helm and he brings us to the promised land well i love the storyline sam <laughs> But I'm going to take the best team in baseball to win the World Series because I, I just don't have that type of chutzpah. So the Dodgers, for me, taking it over the White Sox in six games, probably. Something where, similar to the Rays series, you're like, do they have a shot? No, this team's really good. Um, and I I don't see any reason why it couldn't be them again here. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're certainly the favorites, and they are uh, unironically the best team in baseball. Um, there we go. So that's those are our our playoff picks, folks. Of course, uh, they're probably not going to be correct. So get mad at us when they're not. But this I mean, is, they're definitely not going to be correct. This is sort of you know this something if you if you make baseball content, you are required to put yourself out there and make playoff picks. So and, I mean, and you can't if get, you just follow baseball, you're required at some point to just nut up and say, this is who I think is going to win. Yeah. And, you know, you're not allowed to, to do totally chalk. So you got to you got to put a, li- a couple spicy picks in there. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but then you can you can go 80 percent chalk and act like you're good at picking stuff. But, you know, that's that's how this thing works. Is that a shot at me here, Sam? Are no, we no, talking? It's, it's, it's a shot. It's a shot at both of us. That's, that's true. We did both have a, a pretty straight and narrow. Although I would say that the Mets to win the World Series is not a chalk pick. Uh, sure, but that's, you know, there's there's other variables at play with that pick. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. Um, all right. Look, if you guys disagree with us, tell us why. Reach out to us because if we get one more email from Vincent, New Jersey, what are we going to do? You know, <laughs> he's the only guy emailing us. We've never met him, even though we're in New Jersey, too. Uh, we need we need new listeners, new viewer content. So um, let's talk about let's talk about personal accolades, Sam. This is another place where sometimes it can be hard not to go chalk, but I have more fun in the personal accolades section. I'll tell you that, and it's because predicting or trying to call out uh, future personal performance is way more variable and way more fun than team performance. Agreed. Um, that said. Starting off just with AL MVP, I still take in Trout. So, so obviously you can't bet against Trout. I, you know, Trout is 
in theory my pick, but I also have a non-trout pick just because, you know, let's have a non-trout pick. Okay, fair enough. Who's your non-trout pick? My non-trout pick is actually a teammate of his. It's Anthony Rendon. Ah, that's a tremendous, tremendous non-trout Rendon pick. has been, you know, one of the five best hitters in baseball the last, you know, three, four seasons. Just consistent six-war player. And he, you know, he just he just destroys the baseball. And despite Aaron's libelous accusations against him that he he despises the game of baseball, he doesn't enjoy playing it. You know, maybe that's true. Maybe it's just Aaron's concoction. Either way, he rakes. So Anthony Rendon is my non-trout AL MVP pick. Aaron. I think if I think if I had to make one, because now you're holding an absolute gun to my to my head, to my a knife to my neck, whatever you want to say, your preferred method of physical intimidation. If I had to pick somebody outside of that, I'm gonna get really spicy. Let's hear it. I'm gonna say Glaber Torres. Whoa, that is spicy. I'm gonna say Glaber Torres. And you know, just be, it's just to be a little spicy, just to spice up my life a little bit. I just think the guy's obviously got the skill set. He could turn the corner at any point and just be, you know, a lockdown defensive player and an unbelievable offensive output, like six war offensively and two war defensively for an eight war season that could that could net him to death. Uh, the defensive projection is that that's aggressive. I mean, he's been a bit of a disaster at shortstop. Oh yeah, but the new year this year baby all right i like it i like it uh and if he got to play the orioles uh every game next season i think he actually would he be would be the mvp yeah um uh who do you have in the national league my national league mvp choice is Corey seager i knew um, you were gonna do that coming. you've been on the Corey train and by the way i bet him for uh for home runs today oh nice nice yeah i mean he's a guy that went on and you know he was one of the, the best young players in baseball before he got uh, injured. It took him a little while to get back to what he was. And then last year, he put it all back together. He rediscovered the form that he had shown early in his career. And he was maybe the best hitter there was in the playoffs last season. And he's continued it into spring training this season. And I, I think we're just going to, we're going to see a, a masterpiece out of Corey Seager this year. I love that pick. In, in, um, his, in his free agency walk year, going to get himself a big contract. I took somebody a little bit more obvious, but uh, someone I love for this year, and that's Juan Soto. I just think we could see a historic offensive uh, season from Juan Soto rolling over from what looked like it would have been a historic offensive season from him last year. Um, and I think this one's not particularly close. Yeah, I mean Juan Soto, I think is if you if you put a gun to my head, I might call him the best hitter in baseball right now. Uh, yeah, we're getting. Yeah. Really, we're getting I, I think I would. We're getting really into uh, uh, intimidating ourselves into making uh, declarations right now, but that's that's true. <laughs> uh, um, what about Cy Young? Let's start in the American League again. Uh, American League Cy Young. I'm going uh, Lucas Giolito. Hi, I also went Lucas Giolito. Uh, Let's go, yeah, no, I mean Giolito. Maybe the best changeup in the game outside of Devin Williams. Uh, That's a screwball. 
Yeah. Uh, guy who seems to be continually improving, getting better every year. Uh, and I, you know, I think, I think this is sort of a, a three-man race between Garrett Cole, Shane Beaver, and Giolito. But I'm, I'm going to pick Giolito in that race. Yeah. And uh, in the National League, I also, where you instituted a no trout rule, I instituted a no DeGrom rule. Um, and I didn't tell you, but we have to follow it because I know you're going to pick DeGrom and I would have too. So let's just pick somebody who's a little more exciting. And my pick is Jack Flaherty. Wow. I do think this could be a really, really good season for Jack Flaherty leading a new, a newly revamped team. He's kind of a uh, emotional pitcher. And I, I do mean that in a good way, but he's a guy who's definitely, uh, you know, putting his heart on his sleeve and going out there and giving it 110. Why, and, why uh, do I have some, like, why is it in my head that you're a Jack Flaherty hater? I thought you don't, you don't like Jack Flaherty. No, it's and it's tough to keep straight who I'm a hater of because it, the list is extensive and seemingly without rhyme or reason. Um, but Jack Flaherty is not on it. I, I'm a big Jack Flaherty fan, actually. I think he's sick um, and I think he deals. So I'm hoping that those two things come true this year. Uh, but also I put five bucks on DeGrom, which, you know, for an average sports better is like a $200. I, I'm back. actually like fairly uh, financially committed to a DeGrom site on because, <laughs> because I put I put $20 on it and then I got this 100% profit boost. Uh, from the DraftKings promotion today. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to use that profit boost on DeGrom Cy Young and I put another $25 on the profit boost. So I mean, I'm, that's good value the second time for sure. I'm, I'm fairly financially committed to a, to a Jacob DeGrom Cy Young. Uh, okay, so if you, know, you were right that I was going to pick Jacob DeGrom, you know me too well. Um, if I Well, you just picked the Mets to win the World Series <laughs> without missing a beat. So If I can't pick Jacob DeGrom... I'm going to get really spicy and I'm going to pick Brandon Woodruff. All right. All right. That's the type of pick I love, Sam. Yeah. I mean, what, what with Woodruff, we're talking about a guy with elite strikeout stuff, the ability to generate ground balls, and he doesn't walk all that many batters. He's seeing a strikeout rate go up every single year of his career, never has walked more than three baggers per nine. Uh, Keeps a ground ball rate close to 50%. Last three years, his XFIP, 336, 336, 329. I mean, that's that's impressive stuff. We're talking about a guy mm -hmm. who's consistently been at, you know, one of the top, say, 15, 20 starters in the game in the last few years and hasn't really gotten that recognition. So maybe this year he takes even a little step further, starts to get that recognition, win the Cy Young. And I, I did put a little bet on him as well. I absolutely love that pick. I also made a bet on him today. Um, so great minds are, have been thinking alike in this instance. Rookie of the year, American League. I am going with my boy, Andrew Vaughn. I didn't get him in my fantasy draft, wow. unfortunately, which, by the way, went extremely well for me. But uh, I still believe in him. The only other guy I like here, actually, I guess I'm thinking about the odds. There's other rookies, obviously, I like to in the American League. But another interesting person, let's say, is Taylor Trammell, who just got announced as the starting uh, left or center fielder for the Mariners. People forget that he was like the number two prospect in baseball two years ago. I, I just think that there's a lot of potential for him to take people by surprise in a way that Kyle Lewis did, but with a more complete game. 
that's that is the thing about rookie of the year that a lot of it often comes down to opportunity because so many rookies end up coming up you know in june or july and they simply don't have the volume to compete with a guy who was up on opening day and with that in mind you know i'm I'm gonna go fairly stock i'm picking randy rosarena if he comes anywhere close to performing like he did last year he's gonna run away with this award uh so he's my guy yeah, that, I mean, that makes total sense. And that's partly why I picked Vaughn, too. Like, knowing he's got the opening day job coming out of uh, spring training is is big. They don't play too many games in the National League for him to lose too many ABs. Um, and going in that same vein in the National League, I have Sixto Sanchez. I just think this guy's going to throw every fifth day. And if he does that for most of a full season, he's going to be nice. Yeah, I think Sixto is a, a, a really good choice. I I went with the also kind of a stock pick and went with Cabrian Hayes here, who I, I think is just an absolute stud and is might be the, the single bright spot in that Pittsburgh Pirates lineup this year. So I got to throw the Pirates fans a bone and, and pick him. I love Cabrian Hayes, but if we're, t- I know we're not, but if we were talking betting odds, what I would say about this, and I'm sorry for any Cabrian Hayes slander, cause I love him. What I would say is that, we saw like half a good season of really good Cabrian Hayes and no minor league numbers to back it up. And we're like, this guy is the next Messiah. Sixto has been good. Sixto has been good. His whole career was good last year when he came up. No reason, you know, to think that he has a lower ceiling or, uh, or a lower floor than uh, Cabrian Hayes. But I do, I do love Cabrian. I, I also think in general though, there's, there's a slight bias towards position players in the rookie of the year voting. So like in everything except for Cy Young. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's I, not I, as bad as MVP, but yeah, I think basically someone who like if, if Sixto and Cabrian Hayes are close, I think Cabrian Hayes ends up getting it. Yeah, totally fair. Totally fair there. Um, all right. Manager of the year. Did you prepare this one? Yeah, I did. Um, American League Manager of the Year. And again, what we have to remember is that Manager of the Year has nothing to do with uh, actually how people manage. What it is is an award for the team that makes the playoffs that was least expected to make the playoffs. Or No, that's not necessarily true. Or had the greatest turnaround from the previous season. There you go. There you go. And Or or there's some uh, like narrative of like a change of culture. Yes. All of, all of these things are recipes for success. So let's start in the American league. Who are the, who are the candidates? Uh, it, it, I believe. So, so I think, you know, Kevin cash, if the Rays make it is a great candidate. People think highly of him, but he won it last year. Tony La Russa, If he had not gotten caught drunk driving and being a general jackass, I think would have actually been a great candidate because the white Sox we're going to make the playoffs with not, not because of anything Tony La Russa did, mm-hmm. but there was just going to be this general idea of like, Oh, Tony La Russa took, took all these young talented players and put them molded them together into a playoff lineup. And obviously right. just insane story, but that's the story that will have been told. But I think given this, this general perception of him as, as a jackass that tried to name drop his way out of a drunk driving arrest, I, I don't think the he's going to have the support. So what I ended I up choosing is is Charlie Montoyo, uh, the Blue Jays manager, because I think if the Blue Jays do end up winning a wild card, it's going to be a really good feel good story with that young, talented team. Uh, I'll be honest, I 
you know, I don't really know anything about Charlie Montoya. Uh, but he And that's play. fine because I think in terms of picking manager of the year, you're doing it correctly. Um, I went for a guy who, you know, Charlie Montoya was my initial feeling, but it, it just felt boring. It felt like following the storyline a little too much. And I ended up going with Joe Madden. And the storyline I painted for Joe Madden was the Angels don't make the playoffs, but they finished just a couple games out of that second wildcard spot. And there's some interest again in Anaheim. Um, and everyone's saying, wow, Joe really came in. Those guys seem like they're having fun now. You know, he really, he really turned it around. And Shohai uh, has a good season, and they say, oh, it's only going to happen under Joe Madden. And then everyone loves Joe Madden again because he's a guy that people love until they forget about him, and then they love him again. Yeah, I think that's a really good pick. And I, I actually wanted to pick Joe Madden, and then I was just like, but I didn't pick the Angels to make the playoffs, so I can't pick yeah. Joe Madden. I'm well, actually, I had to spin that interesting tale to, to convince myself yeah. it was okay. But, you know, I'm actually like – is when's the last time someone went manager of the year without their team making the playoffs? I legitimately have no idea. Yeah, neither do I actually. Um, it's an interesting question that may be a little bit too hard to research live right now, but um, maybe we'll get back to you guys on that a little bit more. It, it'll be a little late because the season will have already started, but sure. uh, still valuable. Who you got in the NL? I have Rojas. I mean, I just think like this is the Mets year with the story. They are going to make the playoffs. They are going to be very good. And I think that he already is coming in in such a positive um, light that I think kind of coming off of Beltran and stuff that I think he already comes in with a step in the right direction, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I have also picked Rojas, but I will make one caveat that I think for him to win it, a wild card is not enough. I think they've got to win the NLEs because the team has high-ish expectations. Like mm-hmm. everyone expects them to make the playoffs, but I think especially among the maybe more uh, casual fan, the Braves are viewed as more of a favorite in the division, even if that's not sort of consistent with maybe some of the projections. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think if they win the division, that'll be viewed as sort of a sl- the, the slight upset necessary to give him the the story to win it um sam let me just let me double back because i was able to get some info on this and i I thought our listeners deserved to know in 94 and 95 oh sorry 94 doesn't really count because it was strike shortened yeah um i was gonna say buck walter only won 70 games but he was 70 and 43 um i'm surprised they even gave out awards that season yeah it's a little interesting but I think the most recent example that we have of something like that, um, and, you know, it's definitely not great, but it may be Don Mattingly last year. They made the playoffs, though. Actually, you know what it was? Is It was uh, 2006. Joe Girardi won it, and the Marlins finished fourth. Oh, interesting. Uh, in 2004, Showalter won it with the Rangers, and they finished third. Um, oh, 2015, Madden won it with the Cubs and they finished third, but uh, they still made the playoffs. Yeah, but so. they won 98 games that year, right? 97. Yeah. 97, yeah. Like that was the Yeah, so that, that's that, tough that, to argue against, but them and the Pirates both won like 97 games and they faced in the wild card game. Yeah, you make a good point. I mean, Clint Hurdle won it in 13 uh, when the Pirates finished second, and I'm not sure they got a wild card spot. 
Um, but I guess the general point is you're, if you don't make the playoffs, you're yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. If not impossible. That's it. That's a good point. But um, you know, the angels could win a wild card. Like you're allowed to diverge a little between your playoff picks. And, it's called hedging. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. I'm folks. trying, I'm trying to get every pick perfectly. So I'm, I'm not going to hedge. I'm, I'm trying well, to then don't play DFS. That was my bottom line. Yeah. <laughs> um thank yeah. you all for joining us here on uh pre-opening day this has been an extremely exciting episode for many reasons the most of which is that opening day starts tomorrow the second most of which is we did in fact keep this under an hour for the first time um in many many times and let me tell you folks with the season started that is something that we are going to do because we're going to give you news we're going to talk about stats current events all those things um, and we're going to give it to you quick so that you can stay up to date on the league and, uh, you know, keep up to date with us as we're following baseball. We're going to be playing daily fantasy, playing some of the show, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll keep you guys up to date on all of it. But, um, with that happy opening day, everybody have a great day tomorrow. Make sure you catch as many games as you possibly can. If you've got to skip work, you got to skip work. That's just the way it goes tomorrow. Will you be in, in lab tomorrow, Aaron? Yeah, but that's because it's mine's less of a job and more of an indentured servitude. Yeah, I, I unfortunately will also be in lab tomorrow, but luckily the Mets are playing in the evening. I will not be missing a single pitch of that game. Well, I, I said I'll be at work. I didn't say I wouldn't have games on. I, yeah, the I, games will be on from 105 onward for the rest of the day. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear it. I will also attempt to catch as many games as I can, but the Mets game is... Your number one priority. Non-negotiable. Um, so with that, happy opening day. As Aaron just said, we are so, so excited for this season to start. And yeah, have fun, folks. It's a, it's a wonderful time of the year. Signing off for the Alonzo Bet. We're your hosts. I'm Aaron. And I'm Sam. Have a good one. <laughs>